We don't need him just every week or every month, not even every hour. We need him every moment of our life. And I'm so grateful that he promised he would be with us and help us. And we can testify that he's done that for you. Amen. We greet you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Such an honor for us to be together again in the presence of the Lord. Trust you've come to receive something from the Lord. I mean, believes he's mindful of all of our needs and all of our desires. And um, we certainly can bring them to him. We believe that. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 21, this morning, verse 9. <clears throat> um, I'd like to give you a little bit of an update on Erica today. I'm sure that some of you probably already heard we had an ambulance come to get her yesterday and take her to the hospital. And she has pneumonia in both lungs, um, pancreatitis, colitis, high ammonia, and other things that, are, that she's dealing with. And Brother Donnie, what do you say about, about all that? None of this moves me. Until he says otherwise, we're believing for her miracle. Amen. Amen. We want to pray, we want to remember that, of course, but I'm sure that many of you are aware that Israel has been under a bombardment in the last couple of days. And the last number I had, over 400 Israelis had been killed and, of course, hundreds of Palestinians as well. And um, uh, estimated over 2,500 missiles have been fired on Israel. Hamas says 5,000, so who knows what it really is. But when I look at Israel, I can see Israel as, as really a type of the bride. Because where Israel sets, they're totally surrounded by, by enemies. Not just people that dislike them, but people that want to destroy them. And that's why really there will never be a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian um, situation. Because the Palestinians pretty much want them dead, annihilated, gone, finished. How can you ever negotiate with people like that? And it's the same with the devil. The devil don't want you to back off. He wants you gone. He wants to kill you. And if he can't kill you, he wants to make you so crippled up and compromised that your faith can't do anything against him. As a matter of fact, as I was sitting studying for today, he come in the room where I was at and said these words to me. If you will compromise... I will leave your daughter. I said, I make no deals with the devil. And he feels that way today. We make no deals with the devil. So we certainly want you to remember Israel and that whole area. We know that it's nothing but a time bomb. And we know that all the world has to eventually turn against them. Um, and we just pray that God will have his way 
and get his people there. We know all Jews are not elect. There's an element of Jews that are as anti-God as any communist you ever met in your life. That's right. Because some of them say there could be no God to allow their people to go through a holocaust. They don't believe in God. Many Jews do not believe in God. But there might be a few of them that's elect and they just ain't come to it yet. So we just pray that God's will will be done. How I many has a request on your heart today and your need? Oh, you say, but mine seems so small compared to the ones that you just mentioned. But no matter how big it is or how little it is, can you imagine God moving on a dumb possum and send that possum to Elijah's house? And that dumb possum waited for Elijah to finally catch up that she needed prayer. A little fish about that long, thrown down in the lake at Dale Hollow, not too far from where Harry and I were raised. And God raised that little tiny fish. You know why the prophet said he did that? To show that he's concerned about the small things. So no matter how we categorize our needs today, let's take them to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we count it such a privilege to be called your children. Were it not for your grace today, we could be out here on Sunday morning trying to recuperate from a hangover from last night, trying to reminisce what we did through the night. We were so high that we didn't know where we were. Lost. Trying to get enough money together for another hit to make us through another day. But here we stand in the presence of Almighty God, saved, going to heaven, loving you more than anything in this world. We are so blessed, Father. And we want you to know that we love you with all of our hearts. First of all, we want to ask you to forgive us of our failures and our shortcomings. Forgive us for our trespasses against you and and against anyone else. We bring our needs before you and we lay them on the altar of God. We want to cast all of our cares upon you today. For the Bible tells us you care for us. You saw the hands of these people that were uplifted, hundreds of them. Signifying little needs, big needs, medium sized needs. But whatever they are, we bring them before you today. I pray, Father, you would go there to that room where Erica is in Sycamore Shoals. You see, the doctors are trying to give her this med and that med and this test and that test, and we're thankful for what they can do. But, Father, we're ultimately looking to you. I rebuke this pneumonia in both of her lungs in the name of Jesus. May it clear up. Father, you see this pancreatitis. Lord, she was dealing with it even though we was gone and tried to get away for a few days. And Lord, she wasn't good one day. We were there and had miserable nights, but she didn't want to cut it short and come home because of the rest of us there. So she stayed and stayed as long as she could stay. But we thank you that we made it home and she didn't have to be put in the hospital there. We're grateful. We can look all around if we'll open our eyes and see your blessings no matter what we're going through. 
So we made it back home and we're grateful for that. And we're just believing that these things are going to be changed. I've already sent out a text this morning to many of my preacher friends around the world. Her name has already been called before your throne. The devil's going to regret this. He's going to regret every time he stood against the people of God. For it only gives you an opportunity to manifest yourself. Lord, we pray for Israel today. Dear God, it's a difficult situation, we know, because we have many people there that don't even believe in you. Yet we have some small message groups there. And from the words that I've heard so far, they're all doing okay, and we pray that you'd watch over them. Lord God, may you deal with your elect. I pray in the name of Jesus, every child of God here today that ain't homesick, may they become that way. So we can get so sick of this world that we cry and pray the way John did. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But until that hour comes, Lord, I'm your servant. I am reporting for duty. These are your servants. We have come here today reporting for duty. And we say to hell, you will regret this. As the army of God, as the people of God, we stand on the side of our king. Speak to us today, Father, from your word we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. Amen. Luke chapter 21, verse 9. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, wars and commotions, be not terrified. Wow. So when you hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. For these things, say it with me, must must, not possibly, perhaps, must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. And we know verse 9 has been ongoing for many, many, many years, hundreds of years. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes I know that it's you know been pretty small, but just just two days ago, day before yesterday, another earthquake hit part of the Middle East there, killed around two thousand people. Earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of, what? Adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. <clears throat> There's a lot to be afraid of if we look around. 
I read just yesterday where disease X will be many hundreds of times more deadly than COVID ever was. Pestilence is breaking out around the world. Cholera, many different things that we thought were defeated by science and education and men of great minds are reappearing again. Fearful sights in the heavens. How is it that Israel, one of the most advanced nations in the world, in their Shin Bet, in their ability to gather intelligence information, and their main ally, the United States of America, were so taken to where that a group of Islamic militants by the name of Hamas would be able to slip in on the southern border. And Israel didn't know it. America didn't know it. None of the rest of the world knew it. How is that even possible? One day after the Yom Kippur War in 1973, which was Israel's darkest time since they had been a nation. And yet Israel, of course, they said the fall then was because they had such pride in themselves that they believed they had the ability to watch everything around them. I wonder if it hasn't repeated again. Israel leads the nation in many medical technologies and many AI technologies and many things that other nations of the world are way behind them. I wonder sometimes if pride and arrogance does not get not only the nations, but individuals to where we think we've got this. We've got this. We're good. Our borders are strong. You know, Israel has one of the greatest anti-missile defense systems in the world. Germany just bought some of their systems. Israel helped develop the stealth F-35 fighter, the F-22 fighter, the most advanced fighters in the known world. How is it then that these militants could come through on motorcycles? They could cut the wire fence and had paratroopers on paragliders, no more than a balloon, and yet attacked from the sky. Hundreds and hundreds of them, over 600, the count that I got this morning, been killed. 2,000 injured, hundreds that are prisoners. How could this happen? Because Israel, like every other nation, when they leave God, the Bible says they will be turned into hell. You know, and the same thing applies to churches, does it not? As it applies to individuals. So as I was looking early this morning before daylight as they were interviewing different people there and they said, what's the feel in Israel? And I kept hearing this same word over and over again. Fear, fear. We thought we were safe. We thought this would never happen to us again. How is this possible? Of course, the Americans are wanting to know how could this ever be? 
I saw some of our congressmen, some of our senators, and they're wanting to have a hearing. You know how politicians think? Hearings, hearings this, hearings that. We've got to get to the bottom of this. We've got to get to the bottom. I saw some of you same politicians one day will be asking the same question. How could we have ever, ever let this happen to us that Russia annihilated us? How will it ever be the same principle in view they didn't think they needed God? They said it in the days of the prophets. We don't need, oh, Jehovah, as long as we've got the army, the navy, the air force, and the marines. We need Jehovah. I don't care how good our army is. I don't care how big our church is, how wealthy we are, how much we think we know we need him every hour of our life. It is a great fearful time, is it not? I guarantee you this morning, people all over Israel are terrified. Earlier in the day this morning, Hezbollah on the northern end of Israel, which has already been setting up their headquarters, already gathering their militia, already gathering great intelligence sources. They fired over some missiles, so now they're pondering, will Israel deal with a battle in the south and already one brewing in the north? Well, you see, that's why I think that they're a reflection of the bride. Because no matter which way the bride turns, whether it's north, south, east, or west, it seems like we are bombarded with sickness and disease and trouble and turmoil on our job and our home, and the church is not free from it. But I would just like to say we are unlike Israel in that we depend upon our great mighty men with great intelligence. We don't depend upon the Marines and the Air Corps. We don't depend upon scientists, but we depend upon the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And we believe God has got men in the earth that are led of the Holy Ghost and they will preach the word and they will blow the trumpet before the devil ever makes a move. They will sound the alarm. Get ready! Get ready because the enemy is coming. But we will not be overtaken. We will not be blindsided by hell because we have men of God that have an unction of the Holy Ghost. They don't depend upon wiretapping. They don't depend upon listening to the internet, but they listen to the Father as he says, warn the congregation. Warn the congregation evil is near. Warn them that darkness is near. Tell them to get filled every fiber with the Holy Ghost because the end time is upon us. And from that, I would like to speak to you again this morning on a life above ungodly fear. No, friends, we do not have to live every moment of our life under the devil's fear. Look with me in 2 Timothy, if you would, again this morning, where Paul writing about this, and he said, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I mean, those are a godly fear. 
a righteous fear. We all know that. We all know we need it. When a nation loses their fear of God, well, look at what they turn into. When a people lose their fear of God, you watch our young people, when they lose that reverential fear of their parents, you watch how they erode in their individuality. They will begin to have this rebellion inside of them. And it won't just stop with mom and daddy. It will, it will go to every aspect of authority. You lose respect for your father and your mother. It won't be long you'll lose respect for the deacons of the church. And they tell you, don't do this, or oh, I don't have to listen to nobody. Or you say, but I've still got respect for you, Brother Donnie, but you won't have it long because Satan wants to take down every element of that respect. Come on, somebody, let's have church today. Because Satan wants to tear every bit of it down and before long, you have no respect for anyone or no respect in the aspect as far as those that are above you. Which is exactly where our world is, where our nation is. International law doesn't mean anything. American law doesn't mean anything. It don't mean anything to them that's in the White House. The only reason they've got law is to put you in jail when you break the law, but they can break the law, they can lie, they can cheat, they can steal, come on somebody, they can do whatever they want to do, you think the Congress lives by the law, well a lot of them ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, the senators ain't nothing, come on, amen, our governors, our mayors, there ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, there's only one thing that's going to bring peace to the earth, it ain't the Republicans winning in 2024, it ain't the Democrats winning in 2024, 24, there's only one thing that's gonna bring peace back to the earth and that's when King Jesus comes back to the earth again. Well, if the Russians take over, we'll have peace. No, we won't. If the Norwegians take over, we'll have peace. No, we won't. We'll only have peace when Jesus comes back and hallelujah, he eradicates sin and he binds the devil and throws him down there in that pit for a thousand years and then the earth will enter into the blessed millennium and we will have peace. There will be no peace until the Prince of Peace comes back. But while we are waiting from that, we can have peace in here. We can have peace in the middle of hell. We can have peace in the middle of storm. In the middle of trial, we can look hell in the face and say, you won't take my joy. You won't take my peace because Jesus the Prince of Peace has already set up his kingdom in my soul. I want you to notice that Paul and Dina with this, he said God has not given us the spirit of fear. But you ever notice this? He doesn't say God hadn't given us the emotion of fear. Fear is an emotion, just like joy, happiness, all other kinds of emotions. But sometimes people tend to think because they experience the emotion of fear that they're not trusting God. That's not true at all. That means simply you're a human being. How many still gets afraid of things? Somebody come up behind you and poke you in the side. You say, <laughs> You jump out of your skin. Somebody stop in front of you. 
and you say, oh God, oh God, oh God, help me. What is that? Happiness. Somebody turns off in front of you. Somebody nearly runs you off the road or whatever. You know how road rage is in the days we're living in. So which emotion does that trigger? Happiness, joy, satisfaction, peace, fear. Because you never know what people's going to do. They'll run you off the road. They'll do, you know, you know how it is for a parking spot in Walmart. And people get out and walk two miles of an evening to get exercise. And they want the closest parking spot to Walmart to the front door. And if you pull in their place, oh my goodness. So what emotion does that stir? It stirs the emotion of fear. That is not sinful. That is human. But Paul said God has not given us the spirit of fear. So you see, a spirit has to have a host. A spirit has to have a host to be able to attach itself to. I know it's hard for us to, to, to relate to this really, but whenever Jesus got ready to cast them devils out of the man at Gadara, and them demons could not stand to go out into the abyss. So they asked if they could be cast into a herd of pigs. I said, why in the world would a spirit want to live in a bunch of hogs? Because they need a host, even if it's an animal. They would rather live in animals than to be disembodied and live in the realm of the abyss. So they asked, can we go there? And Jesus says, go. Well, them hogs had a whole lot more sense than people's got. Because once them devils went in there, they thought, I can't live this life. I can't live this life. I'm killing myself. So here goes the whole herd of hogs, and they went into the place there of water and choked themselves. Now the devils, the devils kind of asked, that's kind of stupid in one sense of the word, wasn't it? Because the devils didn't realize this is going to be a short-lived experience for me. I'm still going to the to abyss because them hogs could not stand demonic oppression and possession. So something moved upon these pigs. Now they call pigs dumb and I agree. I've had a lot of pigs and they can be pretty dumb. But they had enough sense to know they didn't want to live a demon possessed life. So they run in one accord. So the main boar, sow, whichever it was, took off and she said, I can't stand it, I can't stand it, I can't stand it. And all the rest of them, and they go and drown themselves. You see, not only does nations have spirits, but churches do. A friend of mine several years ago was at a certain message meeting. I'll say it that way. And it was a move in the message that had been around for a long time. But they had a certain agenda that they were trying to promote. And this friend of mine goes to this meeting. Hundreds and hundreds of people there from all over everywhere. And he was curious, Brother Joel, just to know, you know, what, what, what's it all about? I, I don't want to miss anything. Am, am I missing something that God's doing? 
And he sat a good ways back in the auditorium where the meeting was and the people are going and now nah, they're shouting and running and music and the singing and what felt like the Spirit of God. What seemed like the Spirit of God. And then all of a sudden as he looked up on the platform, he saw a spirit raise up. But it was a woman. And this was a very beautiful woman. Dressed in a real seductive, temptress type of clothing. So the preachers are on the platform, the musicians, the singers, and hundreds and hundreds of people are screaming and hollering and oh my. And he watches as this spirit comes up above the congregation. And she starts walking out over the top of the people and motioning for him like this. You realize that demons love certain church services. That's why you need to be careful. Why you get onto that and, and they'll go to talking to you. Now you see, that man went there to find out, is this right, is it wrong, what's, what's going on with it? And God allowed him to break into another realm. Now there was all these hundreds of people there that no doubt left that and thought, oh glory to God, this is, oh my, this is something. But that man left with a total different view. What was it? Demons. Mm -hmm. Demons. Now I know every time I go to talking this way, some of y'all get scared. Now you know what that is you're feeling? It's not just the emotion of fear, it's the spirit of fear. Because you're scared to death one of these things is going to get on you. Well, I'll tell you the only way that'll happen is if you allow it. Don't sit there and be terrified. Oh God, oh God, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Well, if you don't want it to, you ain't got nothing to worry about. But Brother Donnie, every time I hear a preacher talk about that, it just makes me so nervous and so upset. You sit right there and claim the blood of Jesus and say, Satan, you are a liar. My body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, not demons. But you see, there's a difference then in the emotion of fear and a spirit of fear. Now, when this man saw this, he told me this himself, whenever he saw this, it left him, and he left that place, of course, immediately, and he walked out of there. So you can imagine every time this certain move is mentioned to this man, he does not think of all the screaming, shouting, hollering, healings, or whatever more, but he thinks about the seductive, temptress spirit that was in this certain thing around the message. Don't you understand? All these moves around the message that are absolutely contrary to the teaching of the word of God, don't you understand what that is? It's demons. And people get under it and they feel so pulled and they feel so pulled and say, well, maybe it's the Lord. Maybe it's the Lord or maybe it's a demon. Well, how can I tell? Judge it by the word. The Holy Ghost will never leave his 
word. Is that right? Now, do those things, do they, do they make me wearisome? Of course they do. I don't like being around demons. I've had to deal with them the majority of my life. I don't like having to cast out devils. I don't like seeing them. I don't like feeling them. I don't like knowing. And I know they're right here now, but that's all right. I also know who else is here. So that's why I ain't afraid. Come on now, saints. But you see, a spirit is in need of a host. Now that host is you, I, people out here in the world, and we are the ones that will give them a habitable portion in humanity. So they will come, try to get in our bodies, try to affect us in our spirits and our walk with God, or by the grace of God, we can realize, you know what? I've developed a critical spirit. I've got a spirit of fear on me, and I'm sick of it. I want to be set free. Come on, somebody. Or you can be a host for that spirit. And then instead of it just being the emotion of fear, you actually have given that spirit a body and emotions and all the anxiety and all the trouble and all that that it goes through and it never will just stay on you alone. It wants to get on you, then get on your husband or get on your children or get on your wife, whichever it is, and then you get around other people and they sense it and then they pick it up and it gets on them and then it gets around their family and they get around their friends. That's exactly what fear wants to do. I don't know about you, I'm sick of it. I said I'm sick of it. I am sick of God's people being bound under a spirit of fear. I believe we can live above it. You see, when you allow fear to control your thoughts, to control your emotions, to control even the way you worship, and the way you pray, oh, I'm afraid, oh, if I was to really ever turn loose and really worship God, what will people say? What will they think? What, are you more concerned about what they say or what he says? Well, come on now, somebody. And when we allow a spirit of fear to monopolize our lives, it will control the way you work. It will control the way you worship. It will control you. Well, you won't trust nobody. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh, I've been hurt before. I've been so hurt before. You can't trust nobody. Oh, my, you can't trust people. You just have to stay away from them. That's exactly what he wants you to do. He wants you to isolate yourself and cut yourself off from everybody else. Come on, somebody. But you need to realize that ain't nothing but a lying devil. Sure, people will hurt you. Sure, people will let you down. But there are people in this earth and in this church that will stand beside you with their very last breath. But it depends upon which one you're gonna believe. Are you gonna believe the spirit of fear or are you gonna believe God's word that God is, amen, producing a people that believes what he said. So the spirit of fear begins to manipulate your thoughts, your speech. Let me show you an acronym today. 
Anybody know what an acronym is? Okay, good. So let's look at an acronym of fear. Rather show it to them. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. Ladies and gentlemen, an acronym. False evidence. I wonder how many people are in prison today, naturally, because someone planted evidence in their car or their home or their business office or whatever more, someone was able to sneak in and plant false evidence. And then it was presented to the judge and the jury whenever they had their trial and say, Your Honor, this was found in the trunk of his car. Now, jury, this was found in his bedroom. This was found here and there and there. And the people said, well, it was there. The man's guilty. They're sore as the world. And the jury all gets together. Yep, we found this man guilty. We hear about it monthly, sometimes every week. You'll hear of somebody that spent 20 years in prison. I saw the picture of a man just this past week, 40-something years of his life was spent in prison. And then by DNA testing, they proved this man was innocent. As I looked at that man, Brother David, I thought, how much that man has lost in those 42 years being put up in prison, sitting there, Harry, every day knowing he was innocent knowing he was innocent, but by our laws and by the way that we do it, they judged this man guilty and confined him to a prison, years away from his family, years away from society, years away from everything. As I looked at that, and then I looked at this as I studied when I was gone this past week, and I realized that's not just so for people going to the penitentiary, but Satan will try to do the same thing in our everyday lives. He will try to plant false evidence in your mind, false evidence in your home and get you to even question the loyalty of your husband or your wife. Come on somebody. He will try to give you symptoms and the prophet said symptoms is the worst enemy of divine healing because somebody will get prayed for and their hand is worse tomorrow than it was today and they will say well I guess I didn't get healed. Do you understand what that was? False evidence appearing real. Come on, hallelujah. Well, I got prayed for for this certain besetting sin. Don't you know it hit me worse on Tuesday? I must not been delivered. False evidence appearing real. Can pain be real? Oh, yes. Can headaches be real? Yes. And Satan will plant false evidence in your body trying to get you to believe that you did not receive what God did for you. You can go to a youth camp and be delivered of an evil spirit and Satan will come right back and plant false evidence and you'll say, well, I guess I didn't get nothing. No, you're letting the devil use his acronym of fear against you. False evidence. Well, I lost my temper. False evidence. I've done this. False evidence. I've done that. But you need to recognize the devil. Hallelujah. And say to him, false evidence 
appearing real. And go to the judge and say, Father, I failed. I'm sorry. Forgive me. The devil planted this evidence on me. But I repent. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> Listen to this in the water of separation. The prophet said, I used to oftentimes wonder, what's the matter with the Christian church? They're so scared of things. Why, you've got nothing to be scared about. But how Satan has taken his acronym of fear and almost let make it appear like we have nothing to be happy about. And he holds that acronym before you. I know it's the first time maybe some of you all have ever seen this, but believe it or not, you've been living a lot of your life by it. False evidence appearing real in your life. Friends, do you think, do you think it's easy when you see your baby in such pain she can hardly take a breath? Taking as much pain mad as they can give her. Her legs and feet swollen, horrendous size. You think I don't play on me? Do you think I'm a superhuman? Do you think I have no emotions and no fears? I do. But I ain't gonna let them control me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I know you, I know you as human beings and I want you to understand just because I'm a preacher don't mean I'm not a human. I have to cast fear down. I have to cast anxiety down. I have to meet him face to face and say, you are a liar. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you have no hold on us as the people of God. Notice the prophet said the first word nearly Jesus said after the resurrection was fear not. See, don't fear, don't get scared. There ain't nothing gonna happen. Why, nothing can happen, nothing can bother a Christian. Not even death itself can touch the Christian. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death unto life. Jump on down a little bit in this, in this paragraph here. I want you to listen to this carefully. You'll never get nothing by being a little jellyfish Christian. No, sir, did you ever see a jellyfish? You just hit him. He splatters all over everything. That's the way a lot of Christians are, unstable as they can be. They go over here and then they go over there and then they're up and then they're down, they're in, they're out. Well, I don't know, I don't know if I can make it or not. You just hit them, just bump into them a little bit. 
a blob. And a blob on you, and a blob on you, and a blob on you. Well, what a blobity, blobity, blob you are. And you'll never get nothing from God by being a jellyfish. The crabs and things along the side of the seashore comes up with his pincher and cuts him in two and takes him down because the jellyfish just lays there. Brother, we need some Christians, not jellyfish, but with a backbone. That'll stand, oh, I don't mean to fuss with people, but stand, oh, hallelujah, listen to this, stand for your God-given rights that Christ died for, certainly not pushed around. We don't have to be, no, sir, we got an inheritance, and our inheritance belongs to us. It's your privilege to have anything that you inherited through accepting Jesus Christ and dying to yourself. Accepting Jesus Christ and dying to yourself. How marvelous. Yes, sir, Satan said, well, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Listen now. No, you ain't gonna do Nothing. But a little jellyfish just, oh devil, no devil, please. Please devil, don't. Don't touch me devil, I'll squirt all over you. I'll blob, I'll blob in your face devil. I'll blob, now deacons don't touch me, I'm gonna touch me now Christian. Brother Donnie, don't preach on me, don't preach on me now. I'll tell you sons and daughters of God wanna be preached on. They want worldliness out of their life. They want fear out of their life. They don't want to be controlled by ungodly fear. Now listen here, the prophet's going to tell us how to talk back to the devil. No, you ain't going to do nothing. That's the way to talk back to him. Say, I know my position in Christ, and you might just as well get away. I ain't listening to you no more. I got an inheritance. Now friends, try to put yourself in my shoes. My daughter's in the hospital. My wife's down there with her. Our family tore all to pieces. And I'm sitting alone, home alone, studying for you today. Now when you think if any woman have a justifiable excuse to miss church today, it would be the pastor. But I have a post of duty. And when I stand before God, I will stand there and answer. And he'll look at me and say, I see you showed up when you didn't feel like it. I see you showed up whenever, really, you could have been at home. A lot of the other people would have been. They would have been here. They would have been there. But I see you showed up. Uh Uh-huh, and you know what? I want hell to know I showed up today. Come on, somebody, I showed up today, and you showed up today. And what did we show up for? To have church. We showed up to have church, to worship the living God and say we are not jellyfish Christians. Ha! 
You think them three little Parker girls sitting over there ain't heartbroken? The only reason them ain't here is because she's sick and couldn't come in the bed. But they showed up. Hallelujah. I think it's time we start showing up. And don't just bring your body, but bring your mind. Bring your spirit. Bring your dancing shoes too, because we might want to dance a little bit. Bring your worship in God. Bring that voice to say, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not leaving my worship voice at home. I'm bringing it to church with me. Look at what God said to Joshua. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and be of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Or we can be like Brother Job. Now let me be the first to put a disclaimer on this statement I'm fixing to make. I don't know how the sovereignty of God works, okay? I don't know how test sent from God versus things we say and our part plays into the bigger picture. I don't understand all that. But Job says in chapter three, verse 25, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Now the prophet picks this up in a sermon of all titles to mention this, perfect faith. And he said in the book of Job, it says Job feared. And what he feared actually happened. What brought it? His fear. His fear. I wonder if a lot of what we go through is brought upon us ourselves. Because we're so afraid it's going to happen. You know what you're doing? You're actually believing that it will. This is the flip side of faith in God's promise. That we so expect, well, my grandmother died with cancer and my mother and, and my aunt and my so-and-so and my son's, oh, no, oh, no. It must be in my genes. It must be in my DNA. My daddy had all type of sexual problems. Oh, it just runs in my family. But I'd tell that devil, the buck stops here. It might have been in my grandpa. It might have been in my great, 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 grandpa. But it ain't going no farther. It ain't getting a hold of me because I'm a son of God. They didn't maybe sit in the church that I sat in that preaches delivering and practices casting out devils. Amen. They might not have known what I want, but it ain't controlling me. Lust is not dominating my life. Hallelujah. It's not controlling me. Or 
you can be fearful and anxious and beside yourself. And then your fear will bring it upon you. Wow. Notice this how the prophet said, his fear brought it to him. Job's fear, Brother Dow, delivered? Wow. He was scared it was going to happen. And it did happen. Now, if he would have known it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't happen. Help us, Lord. If you're afraid when you come by the prayer line, maybe I just haven't got faith sufficient, it'll never happen. Don't worry. But if you know it's gonna happen, hallelujah, it'll happen. See, it's a substance of something. Job had a fear that these things would come upon him. And they did. If you have a fear, your disease won't leave you. It won't. If you have a faith that it will, (laughs) well, you know the results. You ask any medical doctor, the first thing that, that he will try to do is get you to have confidence in his medicine that he's gonna give you. If you haven't got no confidence in it, you better leave it alone. Sure. See, what is it then? It's faith that does the healing. So if you go to the doctor and they say, drink three cups of watermelon juice, mix with one head of broccoli and two head of cauliflower and three fat grapes and 14 raisins. Don't add 15, but add 14. Don't sit there and look at me like that. Some of you all probably tried that recipe. You know how it is when we get sick, we'll do just about anything. Well, rub your head and cross your eyes and you know, twitch at the same time. Glory to God, brother, only I've tried that. Well, did it help you? Yeah, I did. What was it? Your faith. Well, I believe if I take this, it'll help my antihistamine. It'll shut down the X, Y, Z and the lyphobia and the phosphates and the this and that and the other. And you say, man, alive, that medicine is so good. It wasn't probably even the medicine after all. It was your faith that it would help you. Don't you understand? God loves humanity. He don't want them to be sick. Oh, my goodness. Isaiah 35, 4. Can we go a little while longer? Y'all ain't no hurry, are you? Isaiah 35, 4. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Verse 13, for I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. It's amazing how many times Old and New Testament 
These words are coupled together, fear not, or don't fear, or don't be afraid. Why, we inherited that after the fall. When Adam ran and hid the first time behind the bush, and he got afraid, he planted something in his seed. And the generations of billions of people that would live for thousands of years after him, man never felt fear until that time. I want you to listen to this quote. So a brother, minister brother shared this with me a few weeks ago. I've been sending it around the world because it's such a blessing to me. And I think of Moses, how that Moses standing up there on the mount by the side of this burning bush. He lost all hopes of freedom. Now here's Moses, the mighty man of God, God's deliverer. But Moses himself had lost all hopes of freedom. Didn't seem like that the freedom that the people he so gallantly stood for one time was ever gonna happen. But in the light of God standing by that burning bush, everything in him changed. Don't you understand, friend? That's what I'm trying to help you see today. If this can change in you, you'll walk out them same doors, different people. Everything in him changed. I think it's the same today that many of us lose the sight of freedom. So what about that besetting sin? Brothers, what about it? Those of you that deal with pornography, what about those of you that deal with temper, anger, whatever it is you deal with, and that thing seem like it will not let go? You've been in prayer line after prayer line. You've been prayed for by every man of God you got confidence in, and you go good for a while and fall right back in the same thing again. And it can seem as if though you lose the very sight of freedom. find yourself back down at the pyramids of Egypt. You find yourself at Sukkos working on the statue of Ramesses. You find yourself over at the Nile pedaling with your feet irrigating Egyptian crops and freedom. Seems like it's a million miles from you. But if the pillar of fire can come by this way today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If the pillar of fire can come by our way and you can get near that fire, it can get near to you and change something within you. Then you can look at freedom as no longer an attainable something that's for everybody else but not for you. But you will regain sight of your freedom. I think here, here's a little boy sitting before me. Probably an infantile paralysis. Little arms all twisted up. I look at a lady with a white cane. Probably a blind woman. Lovely young lady laying on the little cot. Maybe many out there with cancer. Heart trouble and diseases. That's going to kill you. 
but you lose all thought of freedom as soon as the doctor says it's incurable. Isn't it amazing of all the diseases that was existing in the 40s? And when the angel of God appeared to the prophet, he mentioned one by name. Cancer. Why? Somebody have pneumonia? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I ain't had that. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Somebody has this, that, that. Oh, yeah. But what is it about cancer? You realize many people won't even say that word. They call it the C word. Well, I am not scared myself to say that word because it ain't nothing but another word for a devil out of hell. And I don't mind telling you I hate that cancer devil. I said I hate that cancer devil. Come on, children. Oh, Brother Donnie, I'd be afraid to say anything. I'm afraid not to because I believe we are called as the army of God to stand against Satan and every demon out of hell in the day that we live in. I've told you before and I'll tell you again as a reminder, there is not one person in medical history that has ever been cured and healed of neuroendocrine tumor. What Erica's fighting. But the way I look at it, there won't be one devil that'll ever walk before the throne of God and said, you got that one, and you got that one, and you got that one, and you got that one. But there was never, never any of your children that ever conquered me. That ain't my father. Well, the way I look at it, why not for her to be the first one? Well, you say, ain't nobody ever been where I'm at. Well, why don't you be the first one? Hallelujah, why not let you? There had never been a virgin that ever conceived, but Mary said, be it unto me. Be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, let it be me. Let it happen to me, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But you lose all thought of freedom as soon as the doctor says it's incurable. The prophet goes on in this same sermon to say, why, brother, if we'd ever come in the presence of God like Moses did, it was a revolutionary to him. <laughs> it was a revolutionary to him. Why? It would revolutionize in the light of that angel of God standing there on the mountain that day, everything that he once had or thought never would happen come to be a reality. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sister Judy Archer, they've diagnosed her with a very rare form of cancer. Only a few thousand people a year ever diagnosed with it. 
Much hope? Nope. Good prognosis? Nope. Not from the doctors. But whose report will we believe? Hallelujah. Well, it's nice whenever they say, yeah, we've got this pill and we've got this and that and we're having 80-some percent success rate, but you and I know enough about that medication to know if one of them cells hides, it'll come back again in four years or five years or whatever. But if the Lord God can send the laser light of the revealed word and it goes down inside, oh, that's the way I pray, not only for Erica, but for Sister Judy and whoever else is dealing with it I know of. Lord, may the pillar of fire go inside their body and annihilate every one of those cancer cells. May everything be restored like it was. Or I can come out this morning and say, saints, I've come to grips with reality. The doctor told Erica last night she might as well just sign up for hospice and just go ahead and get ready. And we're planning the funeral now. And uh, I'm just seeing, would you want to sing a song? And would you sing a song? Who would like to give a testimony at Erica's funeral that uh, she was a great encouragement to you? I feel sorry for you. That's the kind of pastor you got. But I'm going to be the kind of man in the middle of the battle. I can... Put down the standard of the Lord and said, Here is where we stand on God's promise of His Word. Hallelujah! I will not bring upon you the plagues that was on the Egyptian, but I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee of all thy diseases. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He will give thee the desires of thine heart. But Brother Donnie, what if, what if Sister Erica, what if she passes? Well, this is what I believe. I believe what Brother Greg Robbins believes. As he come up to me on the platform here a few services ago and said, Brother Donnie, we're praying for her every day. You know them folks in North Carolina tell Brother, I'll tell you one thing. We are believing God. We're praying for her. I believe this, Brother Tony. If the Lord was to let her die, I believe God will allow you to raise her from the dead. Uh-huh. That's the kind of people I want behind me. That's the kind of people I want when I raise the banner and I look back there. That's the kind of people I want to see. We're with you, brother. We will meet the challenge of this hour. Not only my daughter, but your daughter and your daughter and your son, hallelujah, and your husband. This is not just for me and my needs. It's for Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you this and share this with you before I close. I told Lance this the other day. I said, Lance, 
if the Lord God would speak to me and say, I give you authority today to speak to that devil and make him leave. But it would bring me more honor and glory for it to go on another six months. I hope you folks know what I would do. I would do what our Lord Jesus done. When he said, don't you know I could pray to my father right now? And he would send 12 legions of angels to deliver me. When he goes into the garden down and praying, weeping, crying. Father, if it be thou will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Can you imagine if God gave you the authority to change the situation today? And it was so horrendous. But he lets you know it'll bring him more glory. There's another doctor that needs to testify it's hopeless. There's another scan that needs to be made. I can't wait till we can put all these scans up here. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> what about it, church? You see, we're talking about the third pole and preaching about the third pole, preaching about great things is going to happen, and great things is going to happen. Well, if you'll follow what the prophet said in God called man, 1958, you'll find that the prophet said God was training and teaching and schooling men to get ready for the revival that's going to hit the church. But he's got to have men that he can take to the backside of the desert and crush them. Crush them. Till they become instruments so in his hands that they will not speak until they know it's his will. You see, Moses had authority and he could strike that rock the second time and totally broke every type of the scripture. Is that right? Testified against the work of the cross in order to magnify himself. Christ only has to be struck once, but Moses got in his anger and his temper in the flesh and smote the rock twice. God said, speak to it. Don't smite Christ again. But Brother Branham using that type and said he spoke of every denomination that would ever come. God wants people who have character to match power. Anybody here want to be that type of person? Let's stand together. The prophet in Israel in the church, he said, this has been the greatest thing that I found among Christian people. Throughout the entire world has been a fear. They're always afraid. And when a little sickness strikes, they're afraid. And many, I wonder sometimes, and now I'm along with you. Now I'm along with you. But now what I'm trying to do tonight and in this week to come is to try to drive that fear away. By God's word. Again, he says, unpardonable sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Think of it. 
no fear. That's the greatest plague that there is in the Christian church today. Wow, you mean greater than cancer? Greater than migraine headaches and, and greater than all these other things? The greatest plague on the Christian church today, fear. And the reason they're afraid is because they're not taught right and settled right on the gospel. May God help us. How many wants to live a life above ungodly fear? Let's sing that song that you sung, Harry. <clears throat> Let's just bow our heads, if you would, today. We're going to pray. How many would be honest before the Lord today and say, Lord, I believe these things I've heard, but I need help with them, Jesus. I need help. My hands is up too, friends. Oh, sure, the devil, you better believe the devil tries to bring all kinds of fears my way. I'm just like you. Don't look at me as some type of Superman. I'm not no Superman. Just an, another ordinary human being trying to make heaven my home. Heavenly Father, as we have our heads bowed to the dust of the earth, we call upon your name today, Lord Jesus. From preaching on fear, Sunday before last, it was evident to see by the phone calls, texts, emails, WhatsApp, all the different lines of communication that I received from different parts of the world. It was something that was so needful. Lord, we'll be honest today and say we need help, Father. We're humans. You let us still have the emotion of fear. That's not a sin. But far be it from us to live under the spirit of fear. Many of them, I saw it on their face when I was describing that demon in that meeting. <clears throat> and they didn't want nothing to do with that. I could see it all over their face. They wanted nothing to do with that. But what about the spirit of fear? They look at it the same way. That was a doctrine. That was a move. Some of them years ago here were identified around that move. But it's pretty much a dead one anymore, so there's not much we have to fear about it. But fear is alive and well. We do not want to be a host. We know there's many hosts even in nature. Ticks, all kinds of little fish barnacles, all types of things in the ocean. We can see the mightiest whale in the oceans and look at them, and they have been attacked by all types of little things, and their body becomes a host to these creatures. Lord, may we pass through your great scan today. Jesus, may you begin with me. May I pass through your great scan of the word. 
if you find that I'm a host to anything, Father, that's displeasing to you, help me, Lord God. I don't want to host evil. I don't want to be a host to wrong. I don't want to be a host to pride or arrogance. Neither do I want to be a host to the spirit of fear. Because if Satan can get preachers to be a host, then everywhere they go and preach, they have the ability of sharing that same spirit. So they drop a little thing here and a little thing there. It didn't seem like much, but it was the spirit of fear on that preacher. And he dropped it in this congregation, then he went to Indiana and preached, and then he went to Georgia and preached, and then he went to Florida and preached. And then the pastor of that assembly finds himself dealing with these things. He wonders, what in the world? It was because he had a host preacher in the pulpit that was a host of fear. Oh, Lord God, I want my body, my soul, my gift, my mind, my strength to be a host to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. How many of you saints say the same thing? Can you just raise your hands up as a sign of surrender? We're going to host something. Let us host the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus, instead of being a host of fear, may I be a host of deliverance. Instead of being a host of anxiety, may I be a host of peace and deliverance, Lord God. Instead of being a host of a gossiping spirit, may I be a host of the spirit of truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship you today, Father. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I know it hit that a bit ago. Father, I felt it surge there from the quote of losing the side of freedom. I saw the looks on some of their faces For some, it was anxiety. For some, it was the solid truth that hit them square in the face. They realized they had been arrested by the presence of God. And even though they were praying for freedom, they had lost all sight of it. It only took a few hours for every Israelite to finally leave Egypt that day. Two million Jews would have been able to walk out Pretty good speed, no doubt. In a matter of hours, every Israelite was gone out of Egypt. But it's evident. It took years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. Oh, Father, deliver us from the spirit of fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm sorry, Father. I'm sure those that was here Wednesday night, week ago, they saw me laying on this altar and they wondered what was wrong with me. As I went back into the office, Lord, and your presence was still there, 
And I had to ask you to forgive me for something. It wasn't drinking, smoking, lying, running around with somebody else's wife. But it was the fear of me totally giving everything that I am into your presence. Afraid. Afraid. I dare say I'm not the only one, Lord. Help us to lay aside our pride, our arrogance. I've seen so many preachers mess up, Lord. I don't want to be another one. I've seen so many preachers bring reproach upon the cause because they did this or that or the other. And it's hindered me. But Lord God, I made up my mind laying on that floor the other night. By your help, I will never do it again. I am yours to use for whatever you desire. Speak through me. Live through me. Hallelujah. I don't know how much more time I've got left, but I want every moment I have to belong to you. I want every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year that I have left to be yielded as an instrument of the Holy Ghost. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, to surrender my mouth, my mind, my being. Anybody here with me today and say, well, Brother Donna, to be honest, I, I have to say I'm, I've been the same way. But I want to give him everything. Anybody here with me? Just raise your hand to God. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, what could be done here at this place if we can all be this, Lord? There's been times you've spoke to me to tell people things that I've not done it. That's what I'm referring to. You know what I mean. But just so they'll understand better. There's been times I haven't obeyed you. And I'm sorry. Not so much in my preaching because I preached when it got me thrown out. But it's just that further one more step that I need to take. Hallelujah. I believe, Lord God, what your prophet has said to us in the last days. That you're calling sons of God that will stop diseases. They will speak to cancer and it will leave oh Lord God help us Jesus help us Jesus there's young people here Lord that have not given their all there's middle aged folks who have not given their all there's some of the older ones that think well I guess I'm, I'm so old God can't use me no more no, they still like that one step too. I believe with all of my heart, it's the final one. 
before the body change. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we want to love like you love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The prophet said, the bride has thus saith the Lord, or she keeps still. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, when the bride recognizes who she is, then the rapture will go. When she recognizes her position. Sing it for us. Hey, let's just, let's just open our hearts now. Glory to God. I don't know if we'll take a picture of it this morning. Let me just go ahead and tell you. The angel of the Lord, the pillar of fire, has been seen in our new place here already several times. Children, I hope you don't think we're playing church. The Lord God is moving amongst his people around the world. Don't get your eyes on this preacher. And well, there's two or three more. If it's a bride move, it's around the world. Don't get your eyes on two or three preachers. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Let's see what he wants to do. Let him pass through by your seat this morning. Maybe you've lost sight of freedom. May that pillar of fire come near you and rekindle, rejuvenate, revolutionize, and renew your vision of freedom. For those of you that are bound by besetting sin and you long, you dream almost of a day when you'll be free from that thing, that it'll no longer haunt you. And your failures and mistakes from that thing will no longer haunt you. You can be free this very day. This is the air I breathe. Lord Jesus, we worship you, Father. We worship you. This is the air I Your holy presence living in me. I don't need to pray for you now. Just surrender. This is my daily prayer. Yes, it is, Lord. Hallelujah. This is my daily what? Your very word Living Living In me Thank you, Jesus And I I'm desperate, I'm desperate for you I'm desperate for you, Lord God I ain't just thinking about my little girl in the house. And I'm thinking about my sheep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you. Oh, yes, I am. Hallelujah. Lord. 
you to just turn and lay your hand on the brother sister standing by you on the shoulder we're going to join together right now Harry saying only believe can you imagine how devastating it must have been when the servant came and told the man don't trouble the master anymore your little daughter is dead Jesus turned to him and said, Believe only, and you will see the glory of God. Hallelujah. So what do we do? We only believe. Now you probably brought your need, and maybe that which is closest to your heart this morning while we prayed just a moment ago. But I want you to pray for that brother or sister standing by. You never know what they're going through. They might have come to church today with their mind made up. I ain't coming back no more. I'm so low. I'm so weary. I just can't make it another day. Hallelujah. Let us just join our faith together now. Those of you out streaming the service, maybe in a hospital room, maybe in your office, maybe it's a brother or sister driving down the road. Maybe it's that brother that works in the Kruger National Park in South Africa, the streams and archives are service. Maybe it's those folks over in Greenland or those in Iceland or those in Norway or those in the Philippines or in Haiti or wherever they are around the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring our needs before you today. Now, we're not praying for ourselves, but we're praying for each other. Brothers, sisters, young people, older people. Lord God, and we're asking that you'd minister to the needs today, Father. In the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God come and minister to the needs of your people. Those that are sick, bring healing. Those that are fearful, I say to the spirit of fear, leave these people in the name of Jesus. Maybe some of them got a bad doctor's report, and the first thing they felt was fear and trauma. That's normal to fear with that emotion, but help them that they do not allow that doorway of emotion to become a host to a spirit. Grant it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we ask you for healing, for financial miracles, 
for a miracle in their home, whatever they need now, Father. And there's only one thing we have to do. His only believe. Everybody now. Only believe that all seems. The angel of the Lord, remember, loved this song. Only believe. Only believe for whatever you have need of. Holy believe. How many things? All things are possible. Holy. Now let's make it personal. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Lord. I believe that all things are possible, Lord, I believe, oh Lord, I believe, my share a little something with you before I let you go. I got a text this week from one of our brothers here at the church, and I won't call his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But he said, Brother Donnie, he said, I'd kind of like to be like the men that day that brought that man to Jesus. And he said, the men brought the man to Jesus, and they couldn't get in, so they began to tear the roof off of the house and let the man down. And he said, that's what I, I want to do for Sister Erica. So it had been a while since I read that scripture, so I pulled it up and looked at it. And the Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he turned to the sick of the palsy and said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Didn't mention nothing about that man's faith, but their faith. Can you imagine the Lord Jesus saw the faith of these men and tore the roof off of Peter's house, history says, tore the roof off of Peter's house, and Jesus looked at their faith and said, I'm going to forgive your sins because they believed. Praise be to God. Don't never underestimate the power of prayer and the power of your faith in God's Word to even move for other people. I heard Brother Ron Spencer say it last night. I listened to a little bit of the service down at Brother Tim's as I was studying. 
and he mentioned along this line, and he said, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Maybe some of you heard it. And he said, Moses stood there at the Red Sea and prayed and was faithful to God, and God turned the Egyptians into fish food. <laughs> Leave it to Brother Ron to come up with such a statement. The power of prayer for one man. Don't you love him today, saints? Praise the Lord. How many can say we've got victory in the camp? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Love you in the Lord. God bless you. Go in the fear of God. Brother Jason, God bless you, baby. Sing something for him. It'll bless him. Appreciate you so much. We'll keep you posted this week, but we're looking for great things to happen. Amen. God bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord. Lord God Almighty, you are clothed in majesty. Amen. All the heavens declare your wonder. Lord, you are great and
good to us this morning, Lord. His word. Did you enjoy that this morning? Hallelujah. As we go, let's sing I'll Stand for Jesus and let the world go by. How many want to do that? As, as you're dismissed, let's just sing this this morning. I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by. I'll claim his promise, he will supply. Depart.
of mine You know I don't want to own one thing That I can't leave behind Yes, I want to be free To sail through the sky That's why I'm walking with Jesus And I'm letting the world go Jesus and let the world go by 